I'm Tyreek. I'm Chaw. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lore is the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Uh, Tyreek, you're 4-Bit Friday on Twitter, and you make Catacomb Kids. Chal, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Uh, I'm I'm Chris. I'm at Mr. Chris L. Hall on Twitter, uh, and I didn't think of anything to plug. Okay. Uh, Tyreek, I kind of introduced you for you. Are are you okay with this? Yeah, I mean, it caught caught me off guard, but I'm entertained by it, so let's just roll with that. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad you're entertained as opposed to annoyed. (laughs) <laughs> I was just trying to save you the trouble because you always say the same thing, <laughs> Thank which is you. which is not which is not a criticism. It's just like I've been working on the same thing for ten years, so not that much has changed w- with with my plugs and that yeah. sort of thing. So you could you could ne- next time you do seven day roguelike, you can talk about that instead. Yeah, actually, ah, uh, whatever it does doesn't matter. Are you gonna plug your seven day roguelike? roguelike well i I was going to i I guess i could so i made a seven day roguelike a few years ago that i'm actually very proud of called atkatha in absurdia but uh over the past like couple weeks or so i've been like working on it again so it's been on my mind nice Uh, i want to like polish it up and make like an actual release out of it Uh, that sounds great but i can't plug that yet because it's not done so ignore me okay yeah i didn't hear a thing uh are we ready to start on some topics Sure. Uh, Chris, your topic is the future slash present of Jim's Mario vids. Yeah, uh, this isn't really my topic to talk about. I, I've i just been like watching your Mario videos every once in a while to kind of pass the time and feel ambiently like I'm hanging out with somebody. Yeah. It's been cool. But I also noticed that, uh, so I'm not caught up, but I see the playlist is like 119 visible videos but 686 videos <laughs> in the playlist. <laughs> so I just wonder what the future has in store for us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right that, like, the feeling of hanging out with somebody is what Let's Plays are for. And in fact, like, I think that's also what podcasts are, a lot of co- podcasts are for, like this one, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I guess the, uh, the, the, I'm trying to think, like, now, is the overlap going to be like, are, are the people who, who listen to this show more likely to listen to or l- to watch the videos or less? Because like they already get me for an hour a week. Do they need more than that? <laughs> but also that is the audience apparently uh, for my voice. Yeah. Um, I, um, yeah, I've been continuing to do this. I guess, I guess I should explain the series because I did so, but not this episode. Yeah. This is a series where I am playing through, the Mario series, starting with Mario 64 DS, because that was the one I was excited about at the moment, at the time. Uh, and I'm playing one star or one level per day, whichever is like, whichever makes sense for the game. And the way that works in practice is that I will play for like an hour and then I will record that and split that video up into individual days and upload them to YouTube as, as like scheduled for release one star per day. And because I don't have the discipline to actually like play at the pace that people watch these, I'm way ahead now. I'm just excited about the project, and I'm now. Let's see, what which, which games have I done? I've done in the, I believe the, in this order. I've done Mario 64 DS, Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Galaxy, Super Mario Land, Super Mario 3D Land. Super Mario Brothers 2, and I'm working on Bowser's Fury right now. 
Nice. And so this is like we're scheduled out into like like April of 2024 at this point. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, and what what's one thing that's frustrating to me about this is that like I got a new webcam and I figured out how to place my microphone such that I sound better. And I use like not a not a huge lighting setup, but I have a light that I use when the lighting's bad to light up my face. How many calendar months was that? The, the between like into this into the playlist. Oh, that I got all these things. Yeah. Oh, you mean in in the real time or in in the time that the scheduled time? Like when can audience members see the technical upgrades that you made probably a while ago um i think i think around the end of mario sunshine i start like figuring out how to get a flattering camera angle um and then with mario galaxy i started recording at a higher resolution so like the new stuff is much better produced but it's gonna be like a year before (laughs) people, people see that um also, I'd got uh, I've I've been playing an emulation, uh, but I got a capture card to play Switch games, and this was oh. just because like the popular Switch emulator crashes when I try to run Bowser's Fury on it. Uh, it oddly enough, it works um, when I'm not screen capturing in OBS, but it doesn't work if I am. This is a very strange bug. Uh, so I got a capture card so I can actually play on a Switch. Um, but the capture card has its own problems. Like my first play session with it, it like the, the capture video froze up like 20 minutes into the session. And I didn't notice until like 40 minutes into the session. Oh, geez. And which would like normally that would be like, oh, I lost 20 minutes of progress. But actually what happened is I lost all my progress because I had to like Bowser's Fury doesn't have like rolling save files it just has a single save slot and right. so in order to get the game state back to where it froze i had to replay the entire thing dang oh, man. it's <laughs> uh, brutal well if if it had it, since it froze at 20 minutes that's not a big deal but if it happens again it's going to be annoying <laughs> was that 20 minutes like into the game yes or was it oh okay i see if it was like two hours in, be yeah, bad. yeah, I, I've been putting off recording again because I want to figure out: is there possible? Is it possible to make a backup of this save so that I only have I to see. replay however many minutes instead of the entire thing? Dang, yeah, but oh. but it's a it's a super fun project. I think I watched one of these videos. It was one of the ones where you got like um, one of the desert stars. I think sure in. Uh, I think it was Star... Yeah, I'm looking through Shifting the playlist sand right now. Land. Yeah, I think it was Star 45, which is a video that's a minute and 15. Yeah. Uh, and I watched it and it was basically like, all right, that's it for now. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, it's it's a very entertaining sort of like format conceptually of just like just one unit of progress per video. Yeah. Uh, and, each, and one video per day. Yeah. Um, but so how long, like over what course of time in real time, have you actually been playing these games? Um, let's take a look. Cause I uploaded, uh, I uploaded the, the first video in the Mario 64 series on basically the day after I recorded it. May 27th. Oh, you, you have it right year. there. Okay. So yeah. 
So that's and that was basically that was the day you started. Like basically, four, four months, I think. Okay, like four and a half months, maybe. Okay. Yeah, it's it's just interesting to me because the way you describe sort of like going through these uh, uh, the sort of evolution of your setup and like how the video quality is uh, getting better over time and and you know your 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 sort of presentation is getting better over time even though we haven't quite hit that point yet. Yeah, it reminds me kind of of. Uh, like web comics, like uh, I read a lot of web comics, and a lot of time they'll go on for like years and years and years. And of course, if you're drawing for years and years, you're going to get better at drawing. And so, like a lot of times, if you like go to a web comic, like the earlier chapters are going to look way way rougher than the more recent stuff. And if you want to like maintain that consistency all the way through, you can like I've, I've like seen seen artists basically talk about it, like they have to make a conscious effort. To not change their style because otherwise you're just going to start drawing better and, you know, that sort of thing. I've definitely thought about, like, going back and re-editing, like, the first five episodes of Topic Lords to, yeah. to fit the, the <laughs> modern modern editing style. I see. Uh, but it's just interesting, like, like that, that parallel and how it uh, exists across mediums, even into this very... Uh, strange and specific thing that you've done <laughs> yeah <laughs> of yep. just like th- one's one's evolving style and taste uh, uh over time and especially as it relates to making a long form sort of piece of like art or or video content or whatever the case may be yeah yeah the the choice of doing one level per day is i and i knew i knew this in going into it is is kind of problematic in that not like I'm going to get canceled over it. I mean, like it's, <laughs> it has, it has issues. It has like, for example, like there was a video recently that was like 15 seconds long because that, <laughs> that's, how that's, long it, that's, that's so, that's so good though. Like it's okay. I'm looking at the, I'm just looking at the playlist right now and your most recent one looks like it might be like one of the longest ones on. I think it might be the so longest far. one so far, but it's not the longest one I've recorded. Right. And it's 13 minutes. Yeah. And, and then like you go back to nine days ago and there's, uh, uh, 23 seconds. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's, I, I very much appreciate this. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, there was a, there's a, there's a video. It's a video where I'm collecting blue coins in Mario Sunshine. And that video is like 40 minutes long. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, just because it's really like a really tough level. No, no, this is one where I'm just like trying to find a blue coin that I can't find. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool though that the format changes a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's well, kind it does of. feel like I'm doing a different thing every video. Actually, that's that's kind of interesting because uh, you know, as, as we were saying, like with these sort of more f- like. With the 3D Mario's, I feel like the 3D Mario's uh, like have a lot more variety uh, in their tasks and in the time that it takes to complete the tasks. Whereas the 2D Mario's seems like like once once we like get into that realm of videos, then like I imagine the video lengths might like sort of become a lot more stable because they're a lot more like linear experiences, and it's not like you're going through a level to get a star or whatever. You're just going through the level. That's true. To get yeah. to the end, you know. Yeah. I think um Mario 3 is not necessarily the exception because it is like 
it is more linear and it is shorter. Each level is like more cons- has a more consistent length. But I think of the 2D Mario's, the next one in the series that I do, Super Mario Brothers 3, is the one that has the most variety in your actions and like mm-hmm. of, of the things that it demands from the player. But yeah, I agree. Like I was saying, like from video to video, I'm doing different stuff. But like you look at Super Mario Brothers, it's not. It's just the same. Right. It's, you're just going left yeah. to right. Do you count Yoshi's Island as a Mario game? Uh, I tell you what, I wasn't, I don't have plans to play that game in this series, but I was thinking about playing, playing one of the Tony Hawk games. <laughs> <laughs> um, a modded Tony Hawk where you're playing as Mario on a skateboard. Oh, Wow. I didn't even consider that. That's even, that's way better. That's a great idea. That's way better. I wonder if that's easier or harder to come by than a modded Mario 3D platformer with like tapes that you have to collect. (laughs) I'm I'm pretty sure I saw, I saw a mod of, there's, there's a Tony Hawk game that was like the, the best one on, that was on PC with all the features. And that became the basis for all the, the mods that the modding community made. And I definitely saw someone modded in Mario Sunshine levels into it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. One thing that I think is really interesting about your playthrough is that like, like Tyreek, you were mentioning web comics earlier. Like I, I, I think of YouTubers where like if you look at a YouTuber's videos like over years, you can kind of see them upgrade their gear and like get better at editing and things like that. But whatever you saw last is like where they're at right now, approximately. Right. right. But that's really different from Jim, what you're doing, because we're seeing like a time capsule. And I, I even wonder... If you would honestly answer this question, which is, is there some sort of ARG hidden in these videos that you're revealing slowly? I will say, like, I will say no. That's my answer okay. to that question. I don't believe you. <laughs> I think you're. <laughs> That's I fair. think you're working on a Mario game. I think you've been hired by Nintendo, and the next thing, when all these <laughs> series is when this when the series is fully complete, you're going to announce that you have directed a Mario. game. As somebody who has worked on a Zelda game. You believe that's the sort of thing that just happens to people. (laughs) I see. Interesting. I'm imagining like, wow, Jim's played through every single Mario game that's ever come out, but there's still a hundred videos left. (laughs) What could it possibly be? Yeah, no, Um, I've been hired to make a Mario game and I'm doing it by modding Mario's face into over the Tony Hawk model. (laughs) Like this is just going to be a series where you're going to, where you think you've reached the end. Like you've you've played all every Mario game, and then like like you said, it goes to Tony Hawk, but you're still playing as Mario. <laughs> and then it goes to like like a mod of like Sonic Adventure where you're playing as Mario, <laughs> and it just keeps going into like more and more games, but you're still always playing as Mario. I think that's a way better idea than what I was going to do, which was play all the games <laughs> and then stop. <laughs> Uh, better or worse, uh, depending on your your point of view, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Are we ready for another topic? Oh, I have one more question, which yeah, I yeah. think you address in one of the videos. But when I was listening from the start, like I, I was just like eating and like doing other stuff, probably playing other games. And then I was like, wow, Jim sounds kind of weird. 
and then I'd keep, and then I'd like pay attention, and then I'm like, oh no, he doesn't. He sounds normal. But it took me a while to realize that you're using like the robot voice. What? Oh yeah. <laughs> what was that? I oh, like. I, I kind I, of actually liked yeah. the like two sided thing. But was it correcting a recording error or something? Yes, exactly. Looking back on it, that's a, a missed opportunity, and I should have just kept that going. Like I feel like so many people because it happened so early. So what happened was. Um, I had a recording session where my microphone was just sporadically cutting out. And so I filled in the gaps with a robot voice. I just like tried to remember what I said or what I would have said in that space. And I typed it into a text-to-speech thing. And I placed the audio in the video. And I think a lot of people really enjoyed that. And it also, it also like factored into their belief that this is like, this is an arg because it was just so <laughs> weird. <laughs> it was really cool. And then when the next session, I didn't have any audio recording problems. I didn't do that again. But like, I think people came to associate because it happened for like several weeks in a row, uh, came to associate that weird thing with this let's play and were sad when it went away. The other thing I missed out on, uh, which is really obvious in retrospect is that I should have rated all the levels as I played them. And then it could have been <laughs> Twin Beard Rates Mario. Oh, dang. Well, you got to start over. <laughs> you have to do that now. All the way right. from the beginning. From the top. Yeah. <laughs> you thought the 20 minutes was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I That would really lend itself to clickbaity thumbnails. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Th th then I would have to make those. And I have <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It'd take as long as editing the whole video. But then you could just like, I don't know, maybe you could do the opposite. Maybe you could like speech to text process everything. And then just that would make it easy to copy paste some words that you said and put them in big white with black outline font. Yeah. With a question mark at the end, which I think is like you, you got the picture of the level. You got the font. I don't know if you'd want to put like your face with an outline in there, too. But then you got this, the rating on the right side but the rating is not always stars you know sometimes it's like i rate this level three blue coins out of five yeah i rate this level a banana <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think yeah that's all there was to say i really liked the robot voice because it was it was saying your thoughts but it was almost like a conversation too <laughs> it so it kind of felt like a co-host which is pretty right. interesting except that like Later on, it started like when I, I was mid-word, it would, it would finish the word. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't think I got there yet. Uh, are, we, are we ready for another topic? Oh, yeah. Uh, Tyreek, your topic is Catacomb Kids lore in the context of the fact that I like world building but find it hard to tell actual stories. Yeah, I guess, you know, when you're like a kid, people ask you like what you want to do when you grew up and stuff like that. I think my first conception of like what I wanted to do when I grew up before I learned that you could make video games and, or cartoons uh, was uh, I wanted to be a writer. And that was like the thing that I said to people. And then I learned that, oh, I can you, like video games as a thing that people make professionally. That's 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 what I want to do now. Uh, but like as a kid, I always wanted to be a writer. And, and so I was like, you know, I try my hand at writing. And I think after after a while, I just I don't know if it was me convincing myself or me realizing this about myself, but I just felt like I wasn't good <laughs> at writing. And so I kind of gave up on it and have and like stopped doing it for a very long time. 
And then like later on when I started working on Catacomb Kids and, uh, you know, this is a world that I've been thinking about for, for a very long time. And so it kind of naturally develops in my brain. I think I realized like, you know, looking back in time that the thing that I actually enjoy isn't so much like the crafting of individual stories of characters and plot arcs and that sort of thing. That's always been very hard for me, mm-hmm. but like coming up with the space that those things occupy and the rules that govern the world where those things can occur and so like you know i i have like at this point like you know i've catacomb kids is a game i've been working on for a decade basically uh and so like i have like kind of like a very clear mental image of this world that i've made and i i'm getting to a point where like i want to tell stories in this world because there's so much there uh, like outside of the context of the game itself. Like, I think it would be cool to like, I don't know, like make a comic or something that's set in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when it comes to like actually coming up with the story itself, like, and the characters and the plot and the arc and all that sort of thing, it's like, ah, I don't, what, ah, I don't know how to, how to do this, what to do. Like, ah, I don't know. It's. I wrote an essay about this. <laughs> Oh yeah, really? <laughs> uh, about how I learned to tell stories uh, for Frog Fractions of the Hat DLC. So maybe you Oof. could read that essay and find out and find out what I did. What is that? <laughs> uh, it's on TwinBeard.com. I will have to check that out. Can you give me like a broad overview? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spoilers. the The short version is that I came up with a bunch of characters that wanted things. And then I just put them in a place and had them had that had their wants play out basically in a way that made sense to me and was also interesting for the story. Like, but I did, I definitely spent a long time. Like, I feel like I came away with from that game, making that game, knowing how to write a story. But also, I feel like the story that I wrote, it took me, you know, like two years to write it. And two years to make mm. the game, which works because that's, you know, that, that's, that fits. But like, I think even if I wasn't making the game, it still would have taken me two years to write the story. Right. I and see. that doesn't work if you're making like a webcomic where, uh, you're not spending two years drawing, you know, a page of panels. You have to right. get this. It, it also may be that like the way I figured out how to make stories, um, it might not work on at scale. Or it might just require a bunch of practice. Who knows? Yeah, I think I think practice is is the thing. Because like I said, I I like gave up for a really long time. Like like I think basically like once I graduated high school, I stopped writing, and pro- I think even a little bit before then. Yeah, and I think also part of it was just that my interest kind of drifted elsewhere, like to like more towards the game dev side and more towards like the art and animation side. And so it sort of fell out of my brain and like trying to pick it back up again has been very difficult. But like when you say like like coming up with characters and putting them into a space and like letting them interact with their wants and stuff. The last time I tried that, uh, I kind of just wrote myself into a corner <laughs> where it's like, OK, I feel like all the things that these characters have done so far 
has been true to their character. And now I'm, I've written myself into a situation where they just all die. <laughs> or they're like, <laughs> I mean, is that the story then? Like, that's not, but that wasn't the story that I wanted to tell. So it was like, yeah. okay, how do I actually tell a, a story where the characters like evolve beyond who they start as and that sort of thing? Uh, and yeah. don't get, don't get axed too quickly or I don't know. It's, it's. Yeah. Yeah. I had to figure out how to do character arcs as well. Yeah. Maybe I should give it a try because I've consumed a lot of, a lot more stories recently than the last time, than before the last time I tried, like before the last time I tried writing something, I basically hadn't like read a story in a very long time. And now I've like been consuming stories and like audiobooks and stuff pretty consistently for the past a uh, couple years and so i kind of maybe like maybe i've maybe some of it's rubbed off on me <laughs> you know yeah like maybe well, maybe i can uh, I, uh head, head, try it try it again and and, and i think if you want to be deliberate about it I, I think one thing you could do is actually start analyzing the story because the, the the way i came to that idea although like this is not my invention that i've that i've bestowed upon the world this is widely known the idea that like stories are just characters that want things doing the things to get the things they want but i it occurred to me personally when i was replaying monkey island and i realized like it really doesn't even have a plot it just has Mm. like there is a protagonist there is a love interest there is an antagonist and their wants are extremely simple also like that so much of the charm of this story is in the the charming dialogue right and I'm good at writing jokes, so that's that's kind of what I ended up doing. It was like uh, f- creating a situation where I could write a bunch of dialogue trees with jokes in them, and that's that's how I tell a good story. You know, I'm realizing that this also feels kind of like a similar issue that I have when I make music, which is that like. I don't know how to describe, but like the kind of music that I consume and and sometimes the kind of music that I strive to make is a type of music that I don't make. Yeah, like, that you're not good at making or that you don't enjoy making. Yes, exactly. And I'm yeah. wondering I'm wondering if it's kind of the same thing with stories where the kinds of stories that I enjoy consuming and the kind of stories that I might actually like want to tell just aren't kind of that aren't, aren't really suited to my skill set. And maybe I should try writing something else. Yeah, because I'm. I feel like every time I like write something, I don't know, it's always so serious and I'm not a very serious person. So maybe, maybe there's like a disconnect happening there. I think you should try something else. Like for a long time, I was trying to make uh, a platformer, like a Mario style platformer. And that was like the game project I was working on for like at least 10 years. Yeah. Um, And I never got anywhere past like an engine test and like the first level of something. Uh, and I, what I eventually realized um, was that this is because I'm not good at making that kind of game. Like I'm not good at level design and that's most of, that's most of what Mario games are. Right. I could have practiced it and learned how to do it. Um, it's not where my strengths are. And I, what I eventually found was a game that, hit kind of the same sort of feeling uh, that I get that I like out of those games where you're exploring a space and finding secrets. Uh, but, right. but in a, in a 
place where I feel comfortable as a creator. Yeah, that's a very good parallel because I went through, I mean, basically the exact same thing uh, with regards to like trying to make platformers forever uh, and realizing I hate level design. But instead of stopping trying to make platformers, I just uh, learned how to do procedural generation so that I didn't have to do level design. That's smart. That's a good trick. But I can, you know, I can still work on all the other stuff. And, you know, it's, it's it's like, it all comes back to sort of like the similar thing of like world building is like looking at it from like a very high level. And I feel like level design is like getting into the nitty gritty. And I feel like it's kind of like the same sort of thing where it's like, I don't want to do like the nitty gritty level design. I want to procedurally generate. I want to make the rules that govern everything. I don't want to. Yeah. Tell tell tiny stories. I want to make the world that tiny stories can occur in, you know? And so, I don't know. It's like, world building and storytelling are kind of two different skill sets, and it's weird that we expect the same person to do both. Mm, like, yeah. like how we expect the same person to write the music and the lyrics. Like, right. oh, yeah. <laughs> these are so different skills. So, I'm not someone who has done almost any of either. So, what... Tyreek, in your experience, is the difference in like the ideation process between world building and like trying to write a story. And also like if you know you can't write the serious kind of story or you know you don't want to write that, how do you like pick the next thing you want to try that you haven't tried yet? Well, I don't know. That's a that's that's a thought that literally only just occurred to me through having this conversation. Uh okay. so I haven't quite figured figured that out yet. Um but with regards to like the difference between like the world building and the storytelling. I don't know, like world building, I think the difference to me is that world building stuff is, well, that's not even true. <laughs> I was going to say world building stuff feels more like tempor- temporarily uh, dissociated to me, where it's like I can come up with a fact about the world that is true. Mm-hmm. But um, whereas with a story, it's like, okay, if in order for this to be true, these this series of events has to occur up to that point. But I don't that's even that's not true because, you know, part of world building is coming up with the history of the place and that sort of thing. Like I have like basically the entire history of Catacomb Kids world, you know, not figured out in detail, but at least like the broad strokes of it uh, uh, figured out up until like the the current day and a lot of, you know, some of like the major figures and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if but if I was to actually like sit down and try and like write the, the full story arc of of one of those major character, major historical figures, like with dialogue and everything like that. I, see. I don't know. It just it seems like such a different task. Like like thinking on that granular of a scale. Yeah. Coming up with a whole like series of events and interactions and people and motivations that equate to like yeah. one piece that you have in your world. Like one yes, of the ex- ideas. Exactly. Exactly. It's like. You know, it's it's easy to say there was a war then, <laughs> yeah, and this okay. is the side that won. Versus like, and Captain Thalmu stood atop the hill, surveying the wreckage and carnage, and turned to his band of brothers and said, "Char," you know, whatever, like, whatever the case may be. It's like mm-hmm. those are very different sorts of things, even though they might be describing the same event. I see. Uh, Dang, that's cool. Anyway. Yeah, you've you've given me some things to think about. I kind of want to. I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll give it another try at some point. See if it turns out better. So you should wait for till you're done recording this show first before doing that. Nope, I'm starting that right now. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> well, Tyreek, where like when you come up with ideas, like do ideas 
kind of come to you during the course of your life doing regular things like mid burrito you figure out that there was a warren who won it or is it like you sit down you know, like, I'm going to figure some stuff so, out. So there have been a couple times when I sat down to try and deliberately figure something out about the world. Like, there was a, like, large sort of missing chunk of history that I didn't know what happened during. And, like, like a major historical figure that I didn't know the origin of. And I was like, all right, this is a giant hole that I need to fill. Like, I need to, I need to actually know, like, where this person came from and what their deal is. And so I, like, sat down and kind of figured figured that out. And then sometimes it'll just be like, hmm, like earlier today, after uh, uh, Jim mentioned this as being a potential topic, I was like, huh, I haven't thought about Catacomb Kids like like world lore in a while because I've been distracted with, you know, other stuff and work and that sort of thing. And so I just like sat down and thought for a second. I was like, I wonder what the staple crop of this nation is. <laughs> and, then, and then like five <laughs> minutes see. later, I was like, oh, that sounds good. It's like with some kind of grain, but maybe it like flowers like lavender. Uh, and and it's like something that they, oh, that they cool. you know, it's like important enough of a thing that they like have it on their flag and everything. Uh, and I'm like, that, yeah, that sounds cool. And so now I know the staple crop of the queendom of Aonsalt. Uh I don't know the name of it yet, but I know like nice. generally what it would look like and how it would behave. Yeah, I like I like thinking about that sort of thing. That's cool. I I wonder like how long it's going to be before you have an idea for the name of that thing that actually <laughs> feel is either like relevant to something else or like feels good enough to, well, to see, apply. See, to that's it. moving into like the space of like conlanging. And that's something that I've like oh, tried true. every once in a while, and I have kind of given up on the idea of ever like making like like be, getting good at that because that's just that's like I guess it's world building, but it's, it's it's a little too much. Like I don't know that my brain can handle that. Uh, like you're not gonna make a language and then make the players learn it. Although <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, no. I wonder if I could hire someone to make a conlang for me. Add uh, whatever. I'm gonna search Upwork. I don't. Right well, I, it sounds like it could be expensive. This sounds like a very, very specialized skill that, if anybody is charging for it, they would probably charge a bunch. I don't know. If okay, if you if you want them to do it for free, maybe they could too. I can put you in touch with some nerds. <laughs> I, I could okay. also put me in touch with some nerds. <laughs> yeah. Artist, <laughs> artistic Bob ninety one on Fiverr.com first result. I will help you create an entirely fictional conlang. Five star review, not out of nine reviews, starting at twenty dollars. Oh, that's not that much. Twenty. Actually, there's maybe this is like a common D and D kind uh, of thing. There are a yeah. lot of results actually, which is kind of cool. I didn't know that you could charge twenty dollars on. Oh, I, I thought this was Fiverr. I was thinking yeah. Fiverr. You did say Fiverr, didn't you? Yeah. Oh. Wait, Jim, didn't you just say the same word twice? <laughs> yeah, I thought this was Fiverr. This is Fiverr. Yeah. But it's Upwork. No, no, no. This is Fiverr. <laughs> okay. All right. So it should I didn't be... know you could charge $20 on Fiverr. It's like yeah, it's like there... going to the dollar store and seeing something for $2. Yeah, which ev- everything is now. Everything is more than a dollar yeah. now. It's, it's fucked up. <laughs> Uh, be- before we before we move on, um, I was just skimming that essay, and the and the thing that I missed that might help you is what I did is I did a lot of just skyping storytellers that I know, like people who do it professionally, and picking their brain and asking for advice and like saying like here's here's the problem that I'm working on right now. How would you approach this? Uh, I did a lot of that. Dang, 
The gym network is strong. <laughs> yeah, I've got, got a lot of cool friends who know how to do shit. You just log on to Gymnet. That's that's right. <laughs> you just go through the go through the Topic Lords Discord and figure out who you can call. <laughs> uh, are we ready for another topic? I'm ready. Sure. Uh, my topic is bigger Luke. I actually, I'm still not sure if we've discussed bigger Luke on the podcast before, but I found out before the show that neither of you, uh, preposterously, neither of you have heard of bigger Luke. So I'm very excited to talk about bigger Luke. I'm I'm actually, I'm excited enough that I want to like look up the bigger Luke wiki and see bigger Luke commonly abbreviated to BL or more uncommonly BGL is the slightly larger manifestation of Luke Skywalker that is said to appear in certain scenes of the original Star Wars trilogy, contrasting <laughs> to regular Luke. What? In what circumstances is he bigger? Can we Google? Can we click the Google results? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so there are um, two explanations that they have. The canon Luke hypothesis, sometimes simply the bigger Luke hypothesis, Uh, It is theorized that within the Star Wars universe and canon, there exists a version of Luke Skywalker that is slightly larger than a posited regular Luke Skywalker or Luke Prime. The Hamill hypothesis, it is theorized there is an uncredited Mark Hamill lookalike who was used in certain (laughs) scenes of the original trilogy for undisclosed reasons and whose identity has yet to be determined. What? Why is there no (laughs) photo gallery? Oh, there is on biggerluke.wiki.com. That's, that's where I'm looking. Okay. I'm wait, no, no, it's empty though. There's a okay, yeah, that's all I saw. There's a gallery button, but it's empty. <laughs> this so the thing that's getting me is this size discrepancy is so slight. It's not. It's, yes, it's, it's it really. Not, it's not that significant, <laughs> and so like, the fact that somebody like saw this and was like, "I need an explanation." Is a little wild <laughs> to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like 1% <laughs> taller or something like that. What? Oh, I'm going to click the link to size debate. See size debate for more details. Okay. I'm, I'm excited about this. By far the most popular hypothesis, the 2 to 3 centimeters, 2 to 3 cent or inch Luke hypothesis, postulates that bigger <laughs> Luke is approximately 2 to 3 centimeters or perhaps an inch taller than regular Luke. Supporters of this hypothesis are t- <laughs> Supporters of this hypothesis are typically known as inch lukers. <laughs> inch lukers argue that bigger Luke in most instances does in- indeed appear to be an inch or perhaps two to three centimeters taller than regular Luke at face value. Detractors argue that perspective could skew the, the actual size discrepancy. That's what, like, it seems like it would just be perspective. This whole thing seems like it would just be perspective. Right, right. Like, that in one scene, he's like like an inch further away from the camera, however farther it has to be to get that sort of, you know. Well, you have to understand, they're comparing him to Han Solo. <laughs> if the top of Luke's head is slightly higher than Han Solo, that means it's bigger Luke. Because if the top of Luke's head is is slightly lower than Han, uh, the top of Han Solo's head, regardless of where they are relative to, to each other in the depth of the depth of the frame. Okay, I have to ask the obvious follow up question, which is: Are we sure that Han Solo is remaining the same size? That's in all an frames? excellent question. <laughs> How do you know it isn't Han Solo who's changing size? Sent Lukers. 
<laughs> yeah. It's got to be addressed in here somewhere. There's no way it's not. I'm, I'm reading a page here that I don't understand it yet, but it has the words smaller Luke in bold. And I really just hope that this is about this. This is a a theory that is like a, a, a sect that is fragmented off of the main uh, <laughs> religion where Luke prime is actually bigger than the, the, than the, uh, the Luke stand in that Luke standard. That's right. <laughs> I also like the idea of, of potentially like in like several hundred years when this whole thing is like forgotten and nobody remembers the origin of it. Like there's just, uh, a, a measurement that is in use that nobody knows the origin of, which is just a standard Luke. Like that's 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 some kind of like how many standard Lukes is that? Oh, you know, about five five yeah. standard Lukes total. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the difference between imperial and metric in the Star Wars universe. But how big is Luke normally? Also, information I'm not finding here. It's like, well, bigger Lukes make it an inch taller, but an inch taller, like how much percent? You know. Yeah, I guess somebody said one oh, percent. Oh, right? smaller Luke. It, it's exactly what I thought. <laughs> the, the theory is that the regular Luke was was not Luke Prime at all. Maybe he was merely a smaller Luke, and the real Skywalker was the bigger Luke all along. <laughs> this theory is considered controversial. <laughs> That's good to know. So there's this theory that maybe it has something to do with a car accident that Mark Hamill got in, but then there's a counter argument that. Mark Hamill would have recovered by the filming of the other movies, but it does contain this fun fact that scars from the car accident were featured in the film and explained as wounds from the Wampa attack, which is kind oh, of... Oh, wow. Oh, sure. Is neat. What made you think of this, Jim? Oh, I'm I'm constantly thinking about Bigger Luke. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is one of my foundational... Like, this happened, like, around the same time as I was doing the Frog Fractions ARG, and I, I got emails about whether this was something that I did as part of the ARG. <laughs> That's incredible. Okay, I, this is kind of unrelated, but I also uh, kind of just have a general question for you, Jim. After, like, doing the ARG, like, is it like a boy who cried ARG situation where now everybody is questioning you all the time <laughs> about whether anything you're doing is real or not? <laughs> it, it happens, for sure. I, um... It's not it's not constant because people just don't care that okay. much. Uh I I like I don't need to try to convince people I'm not doing an arc, but it was a lot of work and I have a day job now. <laughs> like I have a day job and a kid actually, so it's the double whammy. Yeah. Are you sure your kid isn't part isn't just another step in the arc? I promised my wife <laughs> that our son would not be Frog Fractions three. <laughs> I mean, once he gets old enough to make games on his own, I'm putting this kid to work. <laughs> Did you promise that Winston can't be the singular player of the Frog Fractions 3 plus arg? Uh, I didn't. Not in those words, no. <laughs> oh, okay. That seems like a, a plausible loophole. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up. I'll... I'll let April know that she let this slip through the contract. <laughs> when, you, when you said the contract, I was at the book signing for What If 2, the XKCD author's newest book yesterday. And I, I can't remember if this is like part of the book or just like a discussion that they were having. But they were trying to work out 
like how many pages of laws a person is subject subject to at any given time <laughs> yeah and like apparently it just like totally explode like the number just gets bigger and bigger and bigger the harder you look so all this to say there's probably no way to completely prevent some sort of arc related <laughs> yeah destiny for winston except for winston the arg is just the legal system <laughs> yeah <laughs> also winston might pull a i forget what, what was the daughter's name and hat dlc oh uh october yeah winston could pull an october and just be like oh i don't care dad <laughs> you're like dang <laughs> who's gonna play this arg that's designed for one person <laughs> <laughs> then he like picks it up when he's like 30 but then gets stuck and you're like listen it's been so long <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember where the solution is. All I have to do is I have to, like, if he gets like that, I need to go on one adventure with him and then he'll think I'm cool again. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, true. That's how like it he that's... needs to be involved. Yeah. But no matter, I'm in many of the places you could end up, I'm sure Ikea is not far away. Yes. End up living. So don't have to worry about that. <laughs> that's right. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Yeah. I think, I think so. so. For this topic, we're going to be reading this poem that doesn't seem to have a title. By Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Oh, I need to open the book again to the page. Oh, it has a, is that a, it has a title on the on the web page. Yeah, I think it's just called uh, the Green Street Mortuary Marching Band. I think. Oh yeah, the it's the first line of the poem. Yep. Yeah. Uh, are you going to read this? I can read it. The Green Street Mortuary Marching Band marches right down Green Street and turns onto Columbus Avenue, where all the cafe sitters at the sidewalk cafe tables sit talking and laughing and look right through it as if it happened every day in little old wooden North Beach, San Francisco, but at the same time feeling thrilled by the stirring sound of the gallant marching band as if it were celebrating life and never heard of death. And right behind comes the open hearse, with the closed basket and the big framed picture under glass propped up showing the patriarch who has just croaked. And now all seven members of the Green Street Mortuary Marching Band, with the faded gold braid on their beat-up captain's hats, raise their bent axes and start blowing all more or less together. And out comes this onward Christian soldiers like you heard at once upon a time, only much slower with a dead beat. And now you see all the relatives behind the closed glass windows of the long black cars and their faces are all shiny, like they've been weeping with washcloths and all super serious, like as if the bottom has just dropped out of their private markets, and there's the widow all in weeds and the sister with the bent frame, and the mad brother who never got through school, and Uncle Louie with the wig, and there they all are assembled together and facing each other, maybe for the first time in a long time, but their masks and public faces are all in place as they face outward behind the traveling corpse up ahead, and the oompa oompa goes the band very slow with the trombones and the tuba and the trumpets and the big brass drum, big bass drum, and the corpse hears nothing or everything, and it's a glorious autumn day in old North Beach, if only he could have lived to see it, only we wouldn't have heard the... Only we wouldn't have had the band who, half an hour later, can be seen straggling back silent along the sidewalks, looking like hungover, broke-down Irish bartenders dying for a drink or a last hurrah. Nice. I'm trying to, like, imagine this scene projected onto my memories of North Beach, San Francisco. <laughs> Is it wooden? <laughs> Maybe. 
Well, let's see, Columbus. I don't think I've been there, so I'm I'm doing the uh, the Fisherman's Wharf. Okay. Yeah, Green Street and Columbus Ave is like not far from the bookstore that this person owns. Owned City Lights, right? Right. That was the same person. Yeah, they were, we're talking about that person. In fact, why don't I pull up that person's Wikipedia page because we were gonna. Oh yeah, he seems like an interesting dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this poem paints a, a very vivid picture of a moment. Yeah. There is a Green Street mortuary that's like right next. It's on Green Street, basically right next to Columbus Avenue. Uh, so this is probably like just literally something that happened to this dude. Maybe he was one of the people in the cafe, one of the cafe sitters. Yeah, yeah. yeah there are definitely tons of cafes like right. I I remember eating uh, cannolis somewhere over there and looking out the window and can imagine having that reaction to a marching band probably without realizing that it was a funeral band. Yeah, this is I get this free concert cuz someone died. Right. Yeah, that's kind of how it sort of ends. I also really like when it says they start blowing all more or less together. More or yeah. less. Like painting this very somber picture kind of, but also like it's very much from like an outside perspective of someone who is not invested in this, like with just like the the patriarch has just yes. croaked. Like that's not a kind way to to say right. someone has died. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I've definitely been in situations where, like, my like someone went to a funeral and there that person's absence was like convenient for me, mm. and I was like, yeah, thanks for thanks for dying and giving me this. Like, mm. that's <laughs> that's my relationship with this death is that like my life is slightly better as a result. Wow. And it's like, it's not, you know, it's not very, I don't know, charitable maybe is the word. I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it is the, the, in practice, that is my relationship with this person's death. Yeah. I went to the, my, I think I went to my first funeral that I can remember as an adult, uh, just, uh, uh, earlier this year. And it was kind of a similar sort of situation of just being like, well, I guess I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, if it's not someone you were close to, like, then you're you're not going to care that much. It did bring together a lot of people I hadn't seen in a lot of in a long time. Uh, some of some some of whom I wanted to see. It was it was it sounds nice. <laughs> yeah, sounds, yeah, yeah. So I I have the Lawrence Ferlinghetti's Wikipedia page here. He was the co-founder of the City Lights Booksellers and Publishers. He turned 100 in March 2019 in San Francisco. Turned his birthday, March 24th, into Lawrence Ferlinghetti Day. This guy had a hell of a life. He got arrested for publishing Allen Ginsberg's Howl, who was put on trial and then acquitted for publishing an obscene work. Here's a photo of him at Cafe Trieste in 2012. He looks extremely old in this photo, so he's even older than that now. He looks like he's dressed up as a, like a sea captain. Interesting. I wonder what's up with this marching band that all... Like all their gear is all kind of messed up, and they're not—they're not like that good. They're only more or less playing together, but they—you know—they're doing—they're doing the thing. They're playing music for the audience of a dead person, so like, <laughs> no one really—no one really cares. And then they look like hungover, broken-down Irish bartenders dying for a drink or a last hurrah. What yeah. time is this happening? Did they just wake oh, up? Oh, that was—that was half an hour later, according to I this. I know, but like, what time of day is this happening? 
like I wonder if this did this oh, band yeah. just like just wake up? Is this their first first march of the day? Last march? How many times do they got to do this? Oh yeah, how many funerals uh, are they playing today? <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it says that it's a nice afternoon mm. somewhere. Autumn afternoon, something. Yeah. Yeah, an autumn afternoon that the person would have really liked it right yeah we need to do the uh the oh no it just says glorious autumn day never mind we need to do the the ice cube it was a good day analysis (laughs) where we like narrow down which day it was yeah like look look at all the funerals that happened when this guy was alive uh at any (laughs) across the hundreds of hundred years that he was alive yeah uh, yeah. that had a marching band go down green street uh i'm looking up the title of this thing, oh, apparently this is a real thing. The mar the marching band, yeah. What, well, which I guess makes sense, but um, yeah, I just saw on their Facebook page they're proud to offer the marching band. But is the marching band proud to offer itself? I think <laughs> we could hire a cheaper band than we would get hiring a band through the the through dignitymemorial dot com. Like the funeral industry is much like the wedding industry is just built to try to push you to spend as much money as possible. So you should just hire like your nephew who has a Casio keyboard and that, that kid can probably march. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought you were, I thought you were saying that you wanted to hire a a mortuary marching band for something else that isn't a funeral. Oh, that's a good idea too. Yeah. Like just a birthday party. Can you can you play my kid's birthday party? Oh no, he's not dead. <laughs> but but still play all your sad funeral music. <laughs> right, yeah. All they know how to play is taps. It seems like a good concept for a Goosebumps novel, like if they do play at your event, now oh. it's a funeral. Oh That's I good. see. Yeah. yeah. Except except they actually exist and I'm sure they're good. <laughs> Well, they can't be that good if they only <laughs> if they only played more or less together. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Although this was probably a while ago, so maybe they've maybe they've uh, gotten better since then. Okay, I'm looking up looking it up on YouTube. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> can they play Stars and Stripes forever? I want to. I want some Sousa marches at my funeral. Wait, I'm a little confused as to why they have axes. Why they have what? Axes. They have axes. Is is that maybe it's in case they need to open up the coffin in an emergency? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> the zombie emergency. I was wondering if that's a colloquial, like how it's also a colloquial name for a bass, like an electric bass guitar. Yeah, that sounds I out of if place. It's a colloquial no. name for a like a brass instrument because doesn't say like a bent axe. Yeah. Oh, maybe like, does a saxophone? But no, you know what. I'm totally just making this up. I mean, I, it makes sense. I, I, I'm, I'm buying it. If a, if a guitar, if a guitar is an axe, raise their bent then axes. a tuba is a bent axe. That's a perfect correlation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can if you unbend a tuba, you can hardly <laughs> tell the difference. <laughs> Dang, is that even? Po- no, there's no way that's possible <laughs> to unbend a tuba. It must be built like that. You can you can unbend it. it. It's just not a tuba anymore <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Well, it's is it like a didgeridoo after that? You know, actually, I bet it would still work. It would just not be very portable. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. What? Okay. Is the French horn like those trumpets from the medieval times <laughs> made portable? 
I guess they're already fairly portable. I mean, but like, okay, that trumpet, but like, you can't hang a banner off it or whatever. That's a interesting point. You know, I never, it never even occurred to me that these things are so windy because the distance that air travels matters, as opposed to like, yeah, like. Yeah, if you straighten it out, I guess the air would still be going the same distance, like regardless of where the start and end point are. Dang, you just blew my mind, man. Yeah, if you if you unwind a French horn, it'll reach the moon and back. (laughs) (laughs) A little known fact: straight tuba is what the. There's some weird ones. They're not very straight though. They're still bendy. Oh, there's okay. Anyway, sorry. There's mutes. I was like, oh, there's an instrument that's a straight tuba, but no, it's just a tuba mute that you just uh, shove in the front. Why is it called straight? I don't I don't know. I think maybe it's not, and I it's just what's just coming up on the image. Bad bad Google result. It's a straight mute for tuba. Uh have you seen uh the large uh flutes that are curly? Like as, what? Well like as you get as you get into into larger, uh, uh deeper types styles of flute. Like a contrabass flute? Yes, exactly. Uh, they, 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 you know, they get curves and kinks and stuff in them, uh, which Whoa. as the son of a flautist really like blew my mind and amazed me the first time I saw them. My mom has an alto flute. Uh, wait, no, let me see. And it's Does she like, still play? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, Neat. the alto flute is like, it just has like one Whoa. little bend in it, but then like you get into like the big ones. And, and then there's, oh, wait, what is it? There's one that like looks basically just like a giant pvc piping uh right. <laughs> it's just like is this plumbing or an instrument i can't tell oh it's both you, <laughs> you're playing it and then sewage sp- sp- spits into your face so- <laughs> or alternatively like every brass instrument you have to empty the spit valve and that's effectively sewage oh like yeah i googled uh uh contrabass flute and there's an image of a sub contrabass flute which i'm pretty sure is just some, literally oh. it looks literally like it's just pvc piping that somebody like improvised into Whoa. a vague wind instrument it just looks like a bookshelf <laughs> yeah these things are immense whoa there's oh my gosh this wow these are really cool this seems like it would be a cool addition to like a steampunk tv show <laughs> like a like a live brass band with a contraband contrabass flute are we uh, ready for another topic i'm ready i i'm gonna be thinking about this flute for a while (laughs) but i think i'm ready to talk about something else tariq your topic is have you seen any phantom kangaroos and also should i choose to believe in cryptids if so which ones a phantom kangaroo is a report of kangaroos wallabies or their accompanying footprints in areas where there is no native population uh, some explanations put forth are escaped zoo or circus animals or publicity stunts by local businesses. Others suggest uh, outbreaks of such sightings are a form of mass hysteria. And so if you go to like the Wikipedia page, there there's just a few accounts of uh, people seeing kangaroos uh, that are kind of just like unsolved mysteries uh, in places where there shouldn't be kangaroos. That's very cool. So, yeah, have you guys seen any, seen any kangaroos where you weren't expecting them? Uh no, unfortunately. I'm I'm reading about sightings now though. Phantom Kangaroo Castro Valley. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any anything? <laughs> Not many results contain Castro. So just I'm just getting results of Phantom Kangaroos in valleys, I guess. That's <laughs> where they like to I accumulate. <laughs> Apparently. Phantom kangaroos run to the lowest point around. <laughs> <laughs> Not, yeah. Not helpful. 
But yeah. So this is an interesting cryptid in that it does exist, just not there. Yeah, it's like it's not like it's um a creature that is impossible or like, you know, like 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 a right. like a Jersey Devil or or a, you know, Sasquatch or something like that. It's like we've seen kangaroos. People know like we know kangaroos are animals that exist. They've been photographed and some people have even seen them in person. Right. But these ones are one inch taller. <laughs> right. Yes, bigger, bigger kangaroo, also known as Big Roo. <laughs> it's it's a kaiju. <laughs> that would be a really cool. It really would. Kaiju. <laughs> I mean, it's already got the stance. It's basically it's basically exactly Godzilla's stance, but a mammal. I never even thought of that. It's good. I, I choose to believe in phantom kangaroos. Yeah. So that's that's sort of kind of the 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 other question is like. So, I don't. I don't know. This seems like a less prudent, safe, sane thing to do, given the current like climate of the world, and with regards to like believing in things that aren't true, uh, and and such. But like sometimes, like if I feel, I feel like if I had, if I could choose to believe something that isn't true, like a cryptid is the least harmful thing. And it also seems like it might mm-hmm. be kind of fun sometimes to just get really into like I don't know sightings of 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 creatures like you know like it's there's not there's not really like a huge downside to it you know like you're not like impacting the lives of other people you're just like hey yeah I saw a Sasquatch once or yeah I went and saw like the Loch Ness monster or I believe in the Loch Ness monster it seems like one of the le- uh, like lesser harmful mistruths to believe. And I guess also my my other question is like, to what degree can you choose to believe in something versus simply believing it? You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Hmm. I I wonder if, you know, it's like maybe you don't believe in ghosts, but you really like the idea of them and you just like immerse yourself in it enough that at some point you like the line between like you're really into it and you believe in it is a little bit blurry because like when i (laughs) would i guess i use that specific example when i was in early high school i was like really into ghost hunting shows and stuff like that and i really wanted to take emf meters and stuff and go stay in creepy houses overnight and i've never actually done that and i think i don't believe in ghosts now but i also really want to do that so bad I'm I'm fascinated by life hacks that you can use to change the way you feel about something. Like please yes. elaborate. There are, for example, um, there is a uh, process that you can go through, like like a script you can follow with with another person to just become friends with them. And there's another one developed during the during the same set of experiments to fall in love with with somebody. That sounds terrifying. What? Yeah, it's. Wait, 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 wait. It's a script you follow to fall in love with someone else? You, you and, you and the other person follow it to fall in love with each other. Oh, that's straight up witchcraft. (laughs) Interesting. Is it spending a lot of time together and going on cute dates? Is that the script? (laughs) Let me see if I can find it. Uh, it, It takes like half an hour. I'm also curious, like the longevity of this, of this feeling, like, like if you, if you use this script to fall in love with someone, are you going to like get divorced after three days or, you know, or, or, well, like, 
I guess that's assuming that you marry on the spot, but you know, you get you get what I'm saying. Like, how long do, the, do these effects last? Right, right. Well, I mean, even like naturally occurring love doesn't often doesn't last very long. So, but naturally occurring hate can last for a lifetime. Yeah. So the, here's the there are 36 questions that you ask each other and you both answer. Is this the New York Times thing? Uh, I'm on MindBodyGreen.com, but I'm sure this has been in the New York Times. <laughs> okay. Uh, for example, given the choice of anyone in the world, who would you want as a dinner guest? Or uh, what would constitute a perfect day for you? What is your most treasured memory? What is your most terrible memory? Okay, so these are questions that you ask to find out if you fall in love with someone. Not just like they they still have to give you the right answer. No, this is like if somebody are... says like, let me read one of these. Like, given the choice of anyone in the world, who would you have as a dinner guest? If someone said, like, Hitler or whatever, you're like, all right, I'm not falling in love with you. <laughs> like, like they still have to, okay, to, to yeah. some degree, give the right answer. I That's probably true, <laughs> that's yeah. And after you answer the 36 questions, you're supposed to stare into each other's eyes for four minutes. I thought that was one of the numbers. Or, or oh, is that what you do at the end? That's, what, that's at the end, yeah. Uh, and then there's a separate quest, set of questions for, like, how to become friends with somebody. And supposedly this is effective. Suppose like I've, I apparently this has been employed in practice. What is the greatest accomplishment of your life? I killed a man and got away with it. <laughs> right. I I will say that I've I've encountered this thirty six questions a number of times, and I've like answered it like with friends, and I've like answered it with romantic partners, and it's really great. And you all should try hmm. it. Well, just because they're just like very good. I've never gotten all the way through them, but like, oh, that's just why you're not in love. Discussion <laughs> you never, ah, you never sealed sealed it. it with the final thirty uh, sixth uh, question and then the four minute stare. Right, right. That's true. It it gets really weird when you like are staring at each other's eyes and like lights start flashing around the two of you and there's like a weird smell that's somewhere between roses and smoke. <laughs> but then after the four minutes, you're good. Everything goes back to normal. Yeah. Yep. Except for like a little, a little bit of like ambient wind making the things in your house rustle a little bit, and then you're like, "Whoa!" Yeah, I did. I did this with April, like, but we were already in love at the time, so well, that's it's, a, uh, that's a <laughs> not useful data to confirm it. How many blue coins out of five would you rate? <laughs> it? Uh, I would give it. I would give it a uh, kiwi. Uh, I thought you were saying, how many blue coins would you rate your wife? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought you were asking at first, no, too. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Sorry, no, definitely not that. I just mean the 36 questions plus the the ceiling ritual. The right, end. right. The other example of a uh, life hack that comes to mind, this, is, this isn't something that's super like – it's, it hasn't been turned into a hack yet, but I feel like it's it's almost there. A test you can take called the implicit association test that is designed to determine which of two uh, groups of people or groups of anything, I guess, you prefer, and it's designed to answer to, to get the correct answer of what you what your what your subconscious mind prefers, regardless of what you want to co- what how you want the test to come out consciously. Hmm. Interesting. And I've I've taken it and the results are horrifying. <laughs> which, as you might expect. And uh, there was one of the, there was a researcher that was just like taking the the race IAT every day just to see and like and then like analyzing his results over time, like how this changes. Uh and there was one one week where like his preference for black people spiked. Oh wow. Uh and it w- he figured out that it was because he was watching the Olympics. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. That is wild. crazy. How, how like, numerical is this thing, though? That, like, self, do it, like doing a self-assessment every week sounds, like, pretty dubious to me. Well, I, you know, whatever. But, I mean, it sounds like it would be hard to get hard stats from You should it. try taking the test because it's, I, I, I okay, feel like it's fair. pretty, like, it's pretty hard to game the way it works. I see. Okay, that's cool. I, this is like only tangentially related, but I read part of a paper one time about in corpuses of English text used for machine learning, there are like gender associations between different words because of like bo- the body of text right. that it comes from. So, and there's like certain stereotypes that get like put on to words about gender. And then they, they just like come up with a mathematical way of basically like in the vector space of the machine learning model like finding those differences and then like numerically canceling them out based like debiasing them i'm sure it's implementable it kind of made sense as i was reading it i was like whoa that's pretty neat that you can do that on a computer yeah Yeah. what was the topic again sorry Uh, (laughs) phantom kangaroos and do you want to believe in cryptids or do i want to believe in cryptids (laughs) dang but we should probably call it that's all the time okay. we have for topic lords <laughs> tyreek if this is something that you want where can people find you on the internet well i mean you you signed me in you can sign me out too <laughs> tyreek you are four bit friday on twitter and other places and your band camp it, it can be re- reached at error with an f.com thank you yeah wait <laughs> <laughs> this is what uh <laughs> His band is where, where you, his band is called F is is called Fror F R R O R yeah but and so he registered the domain error with an F yep. to make it easy to explain to people how to reach the the band at your suggestion oh this this was my idea all good ideas are mine <laughs> uh, and and Chris if this is something that you want where can people find you on the internet you can find me on Twitter at mr Chris L Hall. Um, you cannot find the kangaroo that may or may not live in my home and wander the neighborhood Your profile picture at night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, sorry. F R R E. It's, it's error with an F. Dot bandcamp. Cool. Sorry. I'm going to. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jim. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!